0: You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. Welcome to The Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I am flying solo today, experimenting with a different format, just doing a solo cast. Uh, If it's something that people like, keep doing it, but if you guys listen and you're like, no, we want Philip, if there's a mass revolt, then I'll stop and uh, we'll get Phil back on this. But uh, yeah, figured I'd just do uh, an episode on my own today, Um, wanted to just kind of, Get into a topic that I've been learning about recently. Read a book by the author Lewis Holmes called The The Mask of Masculinity. How men can embrace vulnerability, create strong relationships, and live their fullest lives. That's something that Phil and I talk about quite a lot on this show. Just the idea of being our true selves, our authentic selves. What that looks like. What are some skills and mindset that will enable us in that and what can be the positive benefits so yeah really in this book the author lewis holmes he kind of unpacks nine different masks that men tend to hide behind and so there's the stoic mask the athlete mask material mask sexual mask the aggressive mask the joker mask invincible mask the know-it-all mask and the alpha mask and while I can kind of see myself in a variation of these different masks. The one that really resonated with me and the one that I want to unpack today is the know-it-all mask. And so before I get into what the know-it-all mask is and how it manifests in our lives, I wanted even just to share uh, several quotes uh, that really kind of tease out this this topic. And so the first quote is, It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. That was John Wooden. Second quote is, I know that I know nothing. That was Socrates. Third quote, every man I meet is in some way my superior, and in that I can learn from him. That was Ralph Waldo Emerson. And the fourth quote, I have never met a man so ignorant that I couldn't learn something from him. That was Galileo. So I think a reflection that I have from these quotes is that it takes humility and self-awareness to admit that you don't know everything and that you can learn from everyone. And as I read this book and as I have been considering this topic in more depth, the question came to mind is is what is one of the most important skills that every person should aspire to have? And the one that Kept coming back was just the skill of listening, and specifically listening to understand the other person, not just waiting for your turn to talk. And why is that an important skill? I think there are several reasons. You know, we've all had a grandmother who's reminded us that we have two ears and one mouth, and we should use them proportionately. James, to to get into the Word of God, James, one verse nineteen twenty kind of speaks to this idea of, of two ears and, and one mouth. It says, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I think it's notable that God in the in this verse connects being slow to speak to being slow to anger. You know, how often do we see people give vent to their anger by speaking rash words and had had they just exercised self-control, they could have refrained from speaking in anger and saying something that they later regretted or something that hurt somebody or offended somebody. And to be honest, like I've been guilty of this in the past. You know, it's something I'm trying to be more conscious of. I think another reason why I listen listening is such an important skill is that to listen is to learn. You know, We can't learn from others or understand them if we're not willing to first listen to what they have to say. Another reason is... A good kind of adage is, when in doubt, shut up. <laughs> the Apostle Peter is known for walking on water, and in Matthew sixteen eighteen, Jesus declared that Peter would be the quote-unquote rock on which he would build his church. But Peter is also known for being impetuous and putting his foot in his mouth on more than one occasion. And I think we can learn from him on what not to do when it comes to our words. The first is, don't speak from a place of misunderstanding. Matthew 16, when Jesus is telling the disciples that he will suffer, die, and rise again, Peter rebukes Jesus, saying, Heaven forbid, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus answers Peter's rebuke with a rebuke of his own, saying to Peter, in pretty harsh words, Get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And there are many times in our lives where we don't understand the situation, we fail to see the bigger picture, and I think rather than trying to assess it with words, it would serve us to be silent and observe and take in information before we make an assessment. So don't speak from a place of misunderstanding. We also want to refrain from speaking from a place of fear or uncertainty. I hate to pick on Peter again, you guys, but on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John fall asleep. And when they come to they see they see Jesus' glory as he's speaking with Moses and Elijah. In Luke 9:33, Peter says to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And that verse actually says, For he did not know what he was saying. And then God appears in a cloud and says to them, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And it says it with an exclamation mark. So pretty emphatic. And I think what we can take away is there is we need to avoid the temptation to speak and fill the silence when we are nervous or afraid God's command to Peter was to listen and I would say one of my greatest pet peeves when it comes to conversations with people are people who interrupt because one it's just rude two, I feel like they don't actually care about me enough to hear my to hear and understand my point of view, and admittedly, I struggle with interrupting my wife at times, and she has to correct me, and thankfully she's gracious when she does so. But on the flip side, my wife has also expressed appreciation to me for the times when I respond to her questions with a genuine I don't know. Uh, The caveat here is that sometimes I kind of fall back to the I don't know because I'm distracted by something else, and I don't really want to give her or her question my full attention. So don't use the excuse of just saying I don't know as like an escape hatch from carefully considering a question that someone poses to you with, with deep thought. So, like I said, in this book, the author, he gets into what he refers to as the know-it-all mask. That's the mask that we're going to discuss today. And so how he describes the know-it-all mask is the tendency or need to fill the void with the sound of your own voice. I'm sure even as I say that everyone listening had someone's face pop into their head Because sadly, it has just become so common, especially with the growth of of social media and just different platforms for for people to share content. Everybody has something to say. Most people aren't prioritizing listening first. It's just how can I be the loudest uh, person to get my message across so that I can, you know, fill in the blank, get followers, get a platform. Notoriety, respect, whatever the case may be. And it's something that I I do try to be uh, conscious of, obviously, as a podcaster and a content creator. So before we really get into what the know-it-all mask is and how it manifests, I think even just the question, like, do you feel that this is a mask that you wear? Do I feel that way? And one question to ask to kind of get at the answer to that is... Have I ever walked away from a conversation and realized, I don't remember a thing that that person said? Sadly, the answer is yes. I I do wear this mask at times, and I'm I'm pretty outgoing, I enjoy conversation, but I think of this mask in the context of even different social gatherings, you know, for our church we have connection groups where it's essentially a Bible study, and we're talking about God's Word, and then, you know, what does it reveal about God, or what does it say about us and our circumstances and I do see a tendency in myself to fill the silence almost like it's my responsibility to keep the conversation going and, and viewing silence as awkward or, or bad thing but I think in the context of you know a Bible study or just a, a deeper conversation many times the people involved they just need a moment of silence to process a truth from God's Word or a question or an idea, or an experience that someone else has shared, and to to not take time to reflect and, and process, and then respond to it, and and instead just kind of move on to the next thing, I think just does a disservice to everyone there. So, what are some of the reasons that we feel pressure to wear the know-it-all mask? I think there are a couple things that came up for me: is that we want to possess value. We think if we have all the answers, then we have value to offer people. And they'll, you know, like us as a result. I think subconsciously I've believed that in regards to even doing this podcast. It's like if I can portray myself as the guy with all the answers and solutions to people's problems, then we'll get this huge following um, and, and notoriety. And honestly, that's not what I want. I'd rather have people listen, and and for me to to be someone who is a student of topics and can be honest about my shortcomings and my lack of knowledge my lack of experience and that anybody who listens to this like can learn from what i'm learning and from the mistakes that i've made another reason or pressure we feel to wear this mask is we don't want to appear stupid or weak knowledge is power so the lack of knowledge might translate as as a lack of power or weakness But the interesting thing is when we speak out of turn or in ignorance, we actually come across as more stupid than we would have had we just kept silent. So there's that. Another pressure we face is that we may have a small view of others. You you might feel superior to other people. So rather than viewing others as sources of knowledge from whom you can learn, you view them as ignorant or inferior and in need of your expertise. That's, uh, That's humbling. Another pressure is just to overcompensate for deep-seated insecurity. If we can just keep talking and, and hide the reality that we don't know what the heck we're talking about, then we'll, we can kind of mask or cover up our, our insecurities. And then the last pressure is to admit that we, we don't know is to be vulnerable. So uh, we risk being ridiculed or judged. So we put on this know-it-all mask and we don't have to be vulnerable because we have all the answers. So now that we've kind of looked at some of the pressures that we feel to wear this mask, I want to look at, like, why is wearing the know-it-all mask, like, to our detriment? We're all familiar with the phrase, fake it till you make it, which sounds all well and good until you kind of think a little bit deeper on it. Essentially, that's encouraging us to pretend to be an expert until we actually figure it out. But what if instead of pretending we were... We were instead authentic and honest about the fact that we don't know what the heck we're talking about and we do need help. We could probably actually solve our problems a lot faster. I think another detriment to wearing this mask is if we act like an expert when we're not, You know, we run the risk of someone calling us out and exposing us as frauds and humbling us, putting us in our place, where instead we could just be humble at the onset and and admit that we don't know. You've also probably heard the statement, don't be the smartest person in the room. And if you truly are the expert and everyone around you knows less, then you're not really being elevated by surrounding yourself with smarter individuals. But by admitting that you don't know everything, you open the door to benefiting from the knowledge of more experienced people. I think the know-it-all mask also hinders our success. In, in this book, The Mask of Masculinity, Howes writes, successful people realize how little they know. Know-it-alls aren't just annoying because of the way they walk around making everyone else around them feel stupid. They're also fools. They're the kind of people who reject new learning for fear of seeming like they didn't know anything. So, yeah, you you cheat yourself out of new ways of thinking about things, new knowledge, which could lead to new success. And then the know-it-all mask can can put you in dangerous situations. Think about it. If you pretend to have expertise that you don't actually possess, you can put yourself and others in very precarious situations. And one funny, like humorous example of this is from one of my favorite shows, Seinfeld, George Costanza. He's always pretending he's something he's not because of deep insecurity. And he... <laughs> You know, it tells people he's an architect, just different things. And in in one episode, he pretends to be a marine biologist in order to impress a woman that he's dating. The plot takes a ridiculous turn when George and his lady are walking down the beach. They encounter a crowd of people staring out at the water. And it turns out that a whale has become uh, beached. And someone from the crowd yells, is anyone here a marine biologist? And George is forced to walk out into the water to save the great fish or mammal. Uh, and I'll include a link in the show notes because uh, you definitely need to watch this if you've never seen it. Uh, but it turns out the whale's blowhole was obstructed due to a golf ball hit uh, by Kramer. He's golfing on the beach, of course, because he's Kramer. And while this is a silly example, I think the the point of why I share is that we face a similar temptation to George to wear the know-it-all mask in order to impress others. But when our hand is forced, it will place us in unfavorable and potentially dangerous situations. And then the last... Kind of example of how wearing this mask can be a detriment is actually found from a story shared uh, in the the mask of masculinity, and I just kind of want to read from it now. So he uh, shares about a, an experience by Mike Rowe, who is the the host of the show uh, Dirty Jobs. He's a speaker and just a, a brilliant man, but uh, I'll just read from the book. So basically, he says Mike Rowe was telling telling him about an episode of Dirty Jobs where he found himself working alongside someone whose job is, brace yourself, castrating lambs. That's uh, a dirty job and somebody's got to do it. Now, for a while, Mike had been on the receiving end of a lot of criticism from various Humane Society-type groups for the other things that had happened on the show. He'd go off and do an animal episode, and then, boom, letters, of, letters and angry calls would pour in. So this time, he decided to head those people off at the pass. He asked the Humane Society what they think the right way is to castrate a sheep. And they told him, you take, and I quote, you take a rubber band and you put it around the testicles of the sheep, end quote. Over a couple of days, their testicles will just fall off. So when Mike got to the ranch and he met the ranchers, Albert and Melody, he had a different experience. And here's what happened in Mike's own words. Albert reaches in his pocket and pulls out one of those rubber bands. You know, like the Humane Society told me, except it's not a rubber band. It's a switchblade. He pops it open and he leans down and he grabs the scrotum and pulls the scrotum toward him and he clips off the tip of the scrotum. And then he pushes the scrotum back, exposing both, both testicles, which look like thumbs on a little lamb. And then he bends down and bites them off. And then he spits them in a bucket I'm holding. Yep, Mike watched a guy bite off a lamb's balls. He pushed back on Albert saying... Albert tells me, this is how we do it. This is how we've always done it. I'm like, okay, look, I don't know what kind of operation you're running here, but you're freaking me out. Can we just please do it the way the Humane Society does? And he says, well, it's not very nice. Like, not very nice? You just bit off the balls of a sheep, dude. Come on, man. Let's just do it the right way. So Albert, in deference to Mike, gets a rubber band and puts it around another lamb's testicles. The result? The lamb walks around, sits down, and trembles. It's clearly in pain. The rancher tells Mike that the lamb will be in this kind of pain for two days. Meanwhile, the other lamb, whose testicles Albert had bitten off, was walking around as if nothing had happened. For Mike, this was a big moment of insight. It actually clicks in your head, and the lesson on that day was beware of experts, you know. Just beware of the idea that one size fits all. Beware of experts. Beware of people who think they know about something but actually have very little experience. And that is another detriment to wearing this mask is... If everybody's walking around claiming to be experts, you can bet there's a majority of them that don't actually know what the heck they're talking about. And we don't want to be guilty of, of being those people. So what what maybe are some signs that we are wearing the know-it-all mask? I think if we're dominating conversations, if we're prioritizing getting our thoughts and opinions out and putting less emphasis on, on hearing, listening, and understanding others, might be a sign that we're a know-it-all. I think another thing kind of in that same vein is giving unsolicited advice or opinions. You know, we might overhear a conversation and take it on ourselves to offer unsolicited advice. And our motives might be to help, but we do well to let others take the lead and actually ask for our advice and input. And I'll share just a quick kind of personal story of of how I've seen this tendency to wear the know-it-all mask in my life. I think when I first started pursuing a career as a financial coach, I'd feel the need to insert my two cents, (laughs) pun intended, but I felt the need to prove to myself and to others that I knew what I was talking about when it came to personal finance. You know, I did have some knowledge, but I also felt a lot of imposter syndrome. Um, I think this need stemmed from just insecurity. Like I didn't actually have any clients at, at that time. And so just feeling insecure uh, of not having any clients and feeling the need for people to think that I was knowledgeable and was an expert in the hopes that they would then, you know, pay for my services. But I think when you can take a different approach and, and just, you know, approach people with humility and just try to understand who they are, where they're coming from, what are their values? And then just ask them questions then you actually build rapport with them. You kind of earn the right to speak into their lives instead of just coming at them with like, oh yeah, here's what you should do, X, Y, Z, now pay me money. So some some ways, now that we kind of understand what the, detri- what the know-it-all mask is, what are the negative implications of it? You know, how can we uh, overcome the temptation to be a know-it-all? And I think the first thing is cultivating humility. Doing so will produce wisdom. Humility gives us the freedom to admit that we don't know the answer and the courage to, to learn and to figure it out. And then I just think approaching others with curiosity and appreciation. You know, author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey said, to go into ev- every interaction seeking so first to understand, then to be understood. Another way to overcome this temptation is just to surround yourself with smarter, more experienced people. What's the quote? It says you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, let's aspire to surround ourselves with people who are further down the path, uh, more successful, have had a greater impact. And what can be so let's say we having heard all this, we realize that we have been wearing the know it all mask and we want to, to shed it. Uh, what can we look forward to if we do take this mask off and are just our authentic selves? What can be the positive results? I think the first one is just vulnerability and growth. When you realize you don't know everything, you can be honest about that and you can learn and you can develop new knowledge and skills and you can see tangible growth happen in your life, which I think we all want. Another positive result is the ability to learn and excel. kind of goes... Hand in hand with vulnerability and growth. When you approach life as a student rather than a teacher, suddenly a world of opportunity opens up to you. Uh, There's a quote from, I'm going to butcher this name, but it's Shunryu Suzuki, who is a monk, I believe. He says, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the expert's mind, there are only a few. So you just have a vast array of options of how you look at life, how you look at problems and, and solve them. Another positive result of shedding the know-it-all mask is just cultivating authentic relationships. When you shed this mask, you become more relatable to other people who also don't know everything. You give those around you permission to admit that they don't have all the answers. And this will bring a rich rich depth of trust and honesty to your your friendships. Specifically in our marriages, when we stop wearing the know-it-all mask, it can help us guard against the temptation to solve our spouse's problems and telling them what to do and instead just ask them questions to help them arrive at their own solution, which empowers them and, and makes us feel great. This approach will take more time and effort, but our, our relationships will be much richer as a result. And I think it when when it comes to arguments, many men, myself included, we take pride in having that last word or quote unquote winning the argument. And I've heard a, a wise saying that's really helped me in this area. It says, you can't win the argument and win the heart of your spouse at the same time. And when I think about my marriage, like I don't win my wife's heart by, belitt- by belittling her opinions and making her feel small or trying to verbally put her in her place. And ultimately, I care much more about winning my wife's heart than I do some stupid argument that I'm not even going to remember next week. So even if I have to lose that argument, I still win. Another benefit is that shedding this mask can help us create an environment of psychological safety. This is something we talk about on the show a lot, especially in regards to parenthood. Shedding the know-it-all mask can enhance our relationship with our kids. We can admit our mistakes and the limitations of our knowledge and experience. This in turn will help our kids feel safe to admit their mistakes and just share honestly with us. You know, The question we ask on the show is like, how many of you who are parents want the type of relationship with your kids where they feel safe to tell you everything? I like think if we're honest, all of our hands are up, but that only happens through creating an environment of psychological safety, and and that starts with taking off the know-it-all mask. I think another benefit of taking off this mask is just personal peace of mind. Like we'll just be free from the burden of maintaining this charade of having all the answers, which is just will weigh us down. Like the pressure of that. Like it's just the idea that one person whose name isn't Jesus Christ, would exist in this world and have all the answers is just ludicrous. So it's like, I don't want to put that pressure on myself or anybody else for that matter. And then the last benefit of taking off this mask that I want to get into is uh, just really operating in a healthy way within the body of Christ. Romans 12, three through five says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment In accordance with the faith God has given to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And that last that last part where it says each member belongs to all the others. I have to admit that I don't often think of myself as belonging to the body of Christ. Like, I know I am in theory, but that I would belong to other people, meaning I am first and foremost a part of God's body to operate within the, the giftings and the roles that God has ordained for me to the benefit of the whole. I'm there to to serve, not to go to church, get everything I can from my pastor or other members, and then go on my merry way. No, I'm there to be used by by God to give and to serve the body. And in doing so, I make the body stronger and I also make myself stronger. Kind of unpacking this further, 1 Corinthians 12 gets into unity and diversity in the body of Christ. So similar to an actual human body, which contain, contains diverse parts, you know, you've got eyes, ears, hands, feet, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Uh, they work in unity so too does the body of Christ contain diverse parts and people who play important roles. There's pastors, teachers, healers, helpers, etc. So, how does this relate to the know-it-all mask? I think if we are we as followers of of Jesus, if we try to wear the know-it-all mask and operate in the roles that God has not created for us, then we are disrupting the order of the body of Christ and we're really threatening its overall health. But when we choose to operate within our respective giftings and role that God has created us for we can not only thrive in our contributions but we also can celebrate the diverse contributions of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ so all of us together unified but diverse in our giftings we are stronger for for working together and then as I just think of this topic in terms of this show uh, I think one of the you know I listen to a lot of podcasts and I credit uh, a handful of uh, longtime podcasts hosts for inspiring me and and even just being a model of of a good host. And I think one of the surest signs of a good host and interviewer of a podcast is that they talk a lot less than their guests. And this shows that one, they know how to ask good questions that can prompt their guests to share freely their expertise and ideas. And two, they resist the urge to interrupt their guests and and force in their own opinions and try to sound smart they're not insecure they're not worried like well, what if my guest just sounds a lot more intelligent than me or or shares an opinion that uh differs from my own they're not worried about that because they they know the value of a of a dialogue and so as i think of this topic of the know-it-all mask and in, in light of uh, how shedding this mask can can help to improve our show um As we embrace the role of a student, I think myself and and Phil, obviously I don't want to speak for him, but I think he would agree. It's like we'll approach our guests and each other with curiosity and appreciation. That's a phrase that I I come back to time and time again is how I want to approach all my interactions with people is I want to be curious about who they are and what's going on. And I want to appreciate them for their unique personality and, and giftings and what they have to offer. I think our conversations will also be free flowing rather than than come across as like scripted dialogue and full transparency. I do prepare run sheets with questions and talking points, but I'm also conscious of letting the guest and the conversation just go where it needs to go. Staying on a certain topic or question for as long as we need to, not feeling like we have to get to certain topics or questions if that's just not the natural direction that we go, really not forcing it. And then like I mentioned before, like we'll do less talking, more listening. As a result, we and our audience, we will benefit from the wealth of knowledge shared by our guests. Another benefit is we can embrace silent space where thoughts are able to be fully formed. I think too many people are afraid of silence, so they choose to fill it with noise rather than sit with a hard question or concept. And like I've shared, that's something I've struggled with and I'm trying to to get better in. And then, uh, the last way that I think our show will improve by shedding the know it all mask is we'll just be more relatable to our listeners. Again, like we talk a lot about you know, marriage and parenting and health and fitness and and finance and just the these big pillars of of an uncommon life. And for me to come on as a host, a man who's been married less than five years, a dad for less than three. For me to try to act like I'm an expert of marriage or parenting would just be ludicrous. And honestly, our listeners are smart enough to see right through that or hear right through that. (laughs) But if I can take approach of, no, I don't know everything, but I am committed to learning from others, I think that's just going to make our message a lot more relatable, a lot more credible being honest about the mistakes that I've made, the hard lessons I've had to learn. Uh, we can be authentic about our own weaknesses and our, our insecurities. And rather than wallow in self-pity, we can share our plans and our, our goals to learn and grow and design uncommon lives. So that's the know-it-all mask. I would say the challenge to you, dear listener, is really just kind of do... In inventory. I mean, definitely check out this book, uh, the mask of masculinity, whether you're a man or a woman. Um, I think men and women can wear, uh, similar types of masks and just do a honest assessment. Is this, is this know-it-all mask, a mask that I am tempted to wear? How does it manifest in my life? How can I shed it? And what will be the positive results if I do take this mask off and just admit that I don't have all the answers. I think we'll all be better people for it and our lives will be much more uncommon as a result. I'll leave you guys with a parting quote from Marvin J. Ashton he says, listening is more than being quiet. Listening is much more than silence. Listening requires undivided attention. The time to listen is when someone needs to be heard. The time to deal with a person with a problem is when he has the problem. The time to listen is the time when our interest and love are vital to the one who seeks our ear, our heart, our help, and our empathy. So go in that truth and resist the urge to be a know-it-all. Admit that you don't know and commit to finding the answer. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Uncommon Podcast. If you have benefited from our show, I would ask you to follow, rate, and review and share our show. And be sure to check out our website at theuncommon.com where you can learn more about our mission, sign up for one of our live experiences, and take advantage of many resources that will empower you on your uncommon journey.